Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I want you to think about this. Who is the person that you trust the most? I mean, you just have a high level of trust. I mean, it's the person that has the spare key to your apartment, to your house. Maybe they have your login credentials to your bank account, or maybe even deeper. This is the person you can just be real with. You can share what's going on inside of you, like your thoughts, your feelings, what's happening in your heart. And why? I mean, why do you trust this person? I mean, what, what have they done, or, or maybe not done, what have they done to earn your trust? They do what they say they're going to do. Maybe it's the way they communicate in honesty. They show up when they say they're going to show up. They're faithful. They're loyal. They, they don't let you down. Let's look at this same topic maybe from a a different angle. Another question. Any of you have a trust issue? Any of you have a trust issue? <laughs> I mean, I think we all do, right, on some level. Why? Because somewhere along the way, someone let us down. We got burned, we got hurt, and maybe it was your dad or your mom or some teacher or a coach or a boss or a mentor or a friend. But somewhere along the way, someone let you down. You know, this week as I was preparing this message, I, I thought of two painful stories where a boss and a mentor had let me down. And in both situations, it, it crushed my trust. And I was going to tell one of these stories, and then this past Tuesday night at the end of our neighborhood team, Lucy, who usually sits on the front at our 930 gathering, she says to me on the way out the door, hey, hey, Greg, I'm traveling this weekend. I won't be here on Sunday. This is your chance to use me as an illustration, one of those I have a friend stories. But remember, she said, I'll be listening to the Miami Church podcast, so be careful. Trust. This is the, this is the problem of Jesus. This, this trust is the problem of following Jesus because following Jesus requires faith. Following Jesus requires trust. And Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, follow me. Believe me, believe in me, and trust me. I mean following Jesus, not like a casual, like, eh. no, I mean like really following Jesus is going to require deep levels of trust from you and from me. Trust. It hits us all, no matter where you are on your faith journey. We're all in this place where, where Jesus is, is asking you, trust, trust me. 
And trust is huge because if you're really following, if you're really pursuing, if you're really going after it, deep levels of trust are required because Jesus is going to prompt you. He's going to prompt you, whether it's around your talents or gifts or your stuff or your money or your time or your reason. He's going to prompt you to do stuff, to give stuff, to serve stuff that is beyond where you're comfortable. He's going to push you beyond your level of comfort, and it's going to take trust. I want to talk about trust today from the perspective of an encounter that Jesus had with a guy who's not even a Christian. And John records this in John chapter 4, beginning at 46. He says that once more Jesus visited Cana in Galilee, and Cana is where Jesus had turned the water into wine. Okay, so here's the city. Canaan, the region is Galilee, significant. Right? There's significance to the city. There's significance to the geography. This is the same place that a few chapters before in John chapter 2, Jesus had turned water into wine, and so he's back. He's in the same region. He's in the same city. John says that a royal official was there, and his son was sick in bed at Capernaum. Now, notice details here. He, he says, this guy's a royal official. He works for the government. He's a, he's a government official. Most likely he worked for the king who was King Herod. So this guy is a prominent person with a prominent position. He's from, notice where his hometown is, Capernaum. Now, Capernaum to Canaan, if you were to look on a map in the first century, it's about an eight to nine hour walk. But this guy's a royal official, so he's got access to horses and chariots and entourages. But even then, it's probably a two to three hour time to travel from Capernaum to Canaan. So verse 47, John says, The official heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, so he went to Jesus. And he begged him to come with him to heal his son. The boy was close to death. See, news of Jesus was spreading. He's this teacher. He's this miracle worker. And, and here's this royal official, this prominent person with a prominent position. But, but really in this story, in, in this story that John is telling, he's not the royal official. He's just a dad. He's the father, a father with a sick son. And, and, and this traveling to find Jesus, it's costing him time, it's costing him expense, but he didn't send a servant, he didn't send a family member, he didn't send Cousin Eddie. No, this is a desperate father with a sick son, and as we know, desperate times call for desperate measures. When was the last time you were desperate? I'll never forget years ago, I, I had a co-worker and, and her daughter, it was a, her two-year-old daughter, was having these neurological problems. And so her and her husband, they drove this little girl four and a half hours overnight to a specific hospital to see a specific doctor who specialized in the area. Why? Because they were desperate parents with a sick kid. And here is this dad. He, he comes all this way. He chases Jesus. He finds him. He sees him. And then John tells us that once he sees him, that this man goes to Jesus. He falls on the ground and he says, Jesus, my son is dying. I need your help. You must come with me. Notice the words. He went to, John says. There's this sense of action going after this intentionality. He went to, and then he did what? He pleaded the tense of this verb is over and over and over. Please, 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 like pleaded. 
I mean, forget dignity, forget theology, forget worldview. This guy says, my son is sick and I am desperate. John continues in 48, he says that Jesus told him, you people will never believe unless you see signs and wonders. Now, this can sound harsh in the English translation, but this word you here is in the plural tense. And so Jesus is actually addressing a wider audience. He's not just talking to this royal official. He's saying, hey, you people, hey, you people. And never to not is actually a better translation. So the translation would be, hey, you people, you will not believe unless you see signs and wonders. You need tricks. 49, the royal official he went to, he pleaded, Sir, calm down before my child dies. He shows respect. He's humbling himself. He's getting low. He's desperate. But this guy is confident. He's confident, and he makes a big ask to Jesus. Come with me. Come to my house. Oh, yeah, it's only a nine-hour walk. Why don't you come with me? I've heard stories. I've heard rumors. I've heard that you're a healer, a miracle worker, a rabbi. Come with me. I mean, could you put yourselves in this guy's shoes for a minute? I mean, in his mind, one of two things is going to happen. Right? There's two options here. One or two things is going to happen. One, Jesus comes with me. We go back home. It's a long way, but my son lives. Or number two, Jesus says, no, he doesn't come and my son dies. So Jesus, I'm actually going to need you to do option one. I'm going to need you to come with me. This is the answer. This is what I need. And by the way, we need to get going pretty quick because he's sick. He's close to death. Let's get moving now. Now, this is one of those genius of Jesus moments. He smiles at this guy. And look what he says. Go, your son will live. Five words. <laughs> I came all this way for five words. Go, your son will live. Go, your son will live. Uh, yeah, I just traveled a long ways and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a little bit more than five words. See, I mean, I've come a long time. I've spent many hours and tons of effort. I'm desperate. I need you. I'm going to need more than that. I mean, could you imagine the scene at his house before he left? His son is sick. He's going to die. They hear rumors about this man, this guy named Jesus, who's a miracle worker, and his wife. I mean, they're on the point of breaking. She says, you go get that man and you bring him back here. You do whatever it takes because this guy is our only hope. He's the only one that can save our son. And here we come to this moment of truth in this story. He's finally found Jesus. He runs to him. He falls at his feet. He pleads. He begs, come with me. And then Jesus, almost kind of flippant or, or casual, it's like, go, go. Your son will live. He, he's good. Why don't you go home? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, Jesus, I don't think you understand. I came all this way. And you're just saying, just go, go home without you, without any assurance, without any proof. You want me to leave? You want me to trust? Just take you at your word? Follow me. Believe me. Trust 
me. I mean, look at this. Jesus asked this guy to do what, what he's asking you to do and what he's asking me to do. He's saying, trust me. Trust me based on the testimony of others. Jesus says to you, Jesus says to me, he says, hey, go. Go. Go live beyond what you think you can do. Go, go show self-control. Say no to yourself. Jesus looks at me and says, believe, believe in me. Jesus says, give. Give beyond what makes sense. Be extravagantly generous. Be kinder than you have to be. Be the first one to cross any barriers. Extend your hand. Suffer on my behalf. Keep going when you want to give up. Help those who need help. Stand up for those in need. Go. Share my love. Go. I mean, this resonates with me because my wife and I firmly believe that Jesus has called us, Jesus has called our family to be extravagantly generous, to give beyond what we think we can give. And one of our goals one day is to give away more than we keep. And we're moving that direction. But, but the cost of living is skyrocketing. Housing markets. I, I put gas in my car this week and I had to cut my right arm off to fill it up with gas. You, yet, yet Jesus is saying, give Trust me. Be generous. Be more generous. Keep going. Keep going. Slow down, Jesus. You're saying go, but this just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Go. Go. Your son will live. And we're asked to take Jesus at his word based on the testimony of other people to go about your day with all your unanswered prayers and your questions and your doubts and your uncertainty. He's saying, go. Go as if Jesus is who he claimed to be. Go, and your son will live. And the royal official, he, he stares. He, his entourage waits. He's diminished himself by begging, and now he's not getting what he wants or who he came for. And, and then he comes to this decision. This is a decision that people have been making for, for 2,000 years. This is a decision that changes the trajectory of a life. And this is a decision, friends, that you and I must make. Jesus' words impose a stiff test. He gives him no sign. The royal official has nothing but Jesus' word. Go, follow me. Believe in me. Trust me. But this is enough. I mean, this man, he believes. He has faith. He, he shows confidence. He believes what Jesus says and he goes his way. I mean, look, look at this line. Look, this is amazing. The man believed what Jesus said, so he left. He believed. Then he behaved as if what Jesus said could be trusted. He walked away from the only one who could save his son because he trusted him. He walked home, again, hours, by faith, not by sight. Hold up. This guy, he's not even a believer. He's not a Christian. He's not a follower of Jesus yet. But yet he believed and his actions backed up his belief. This is like trust on display. Where is it that you're holding back? You're not trusting. Jesus is calling you. He's prompting you. He's pushing you. But yet 
You're holding back. And he's saying, trust me. Go. Go. Verse 51. This man, while he was still on his way home, his slaves met him and they gave him the news that his boy was living. The royal official asked, at what time his son got better? And they said to him, yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon, the fever left him. And a chill ran down his spine and his eyes began to fill with tears and he looks back toward Canaan. John says, the father realized what had happened. That was the, look at that, exact time Jesus had said, your son will live. He meets his servant. He gets the news. The son is, your son is better. And he realizes that's the exact time that Jesus said, go. He kicks his horse. He heads home as fast as he can. He meets his wife at the door, and she's like, something miraculous has happened. And he doesn't look surprised. And, and she's like, hey, hey, where's that rabbi that you, that you swore to me that you would return with? And then he tells his wife the story. At the exact time, he said, go. Our son was healed. And I love the details that John includes. He says, so he... And his entire, his whole family became believers. Now he believes. And his entire family believes. The rumors were true. This guy, he says, follow me. Believe in me. Trust me. This is confidence in Jesus. This is trust. It's living every day as if Jesus is who he claimed to be. It, it's as if his words are true. It's as if Jesus really is your heavenly father and your sins are actually forgiven. That you are known, that you are loved, that you are an ambassador to a unique brand of love. At the end of his account of the life of Jesus, John records a conversation between Jesus and his 11 disciples. Now, this is after the resurrection, so there are 11. Judas has already passed, and, and he, Jesus has gone to the cross. They put him in a tomb, and now post-resurrection, right? They, they've seen him alive. Jesus looks at them, and he says this, with you in mind, John chapter 20. Then Jesus told them, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, but still have believed. That's you. That's me. Blessed are those who will believe based on eyewitness accounts. Blessed are those who have not seen me, yet they still believe. Friends, the heartbeat of our church is to help you find and follow Jesus. For you, for your loved ones, to, to find, to, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God. To believe that, that he died for you and that he rose for you. To believe, to find him, to find a real authentic encounter with him. It's also to follow him. See, Jesus is after followership. Jesus is, is, is asking you and me, he says, hey, follow me. Make me the leader of your life and follow me. And yes, I'm going to take you beyond where you're comfortable. And yes, I'm going to ask you to give more and to serve more and to do more than you think you can do. Yes, I'm going to push you and challenge you beyond what you think you can do. And yes, 
It's going to take you to surrender, to put your life under my authority. And it's going to, ha- it's going to cause you to have to have deep levels of trust. Trust me. But I'm telling you, friends, if you will, if you will follow me, I'm going to take you to a, a life that's abundant, here and now, also for eternity. I'm calling you in to the greatest purpose and the greatest meaning that any human being can have. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you lean in? Will you follow me? Will you go beyond where you think you need to go? Friends, where are you holding back? What is stirring in your heart and mind right now? What is Jesus prompting you to do? Some of you, you need to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. You've been holding back, and you need to, you need to say yes, and you need to say, hey, I, I need to say yes to Jesus, making the lead of my, I need to be baptized. I need to go public with my faith in Jesus. Some of you, you're, you're holding so tight to your stuff. And, and, and you're like, well, I don't know, it's church, all they want is money. And they go like, no, 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 Jesus, it, it's not about that. It, it, it's you're holding so, so closely to your stuff. It's keeping you from, you need to let go. You need to be extravagantly generous. Some of you have some talents and some gifts, and, and, and you're either underselling them or like, oh, yeah, you know, right? Or, or, or you're holding them to yourself, and he's like, no, I want you to, to unleash those and to release those and to be a blessing to other people. Where are you holding back? Where are you holding back? Jesus looks at you, and he looks at me, and he says, trust me. Trust me. Go. Your son will live. Go. Oh, man, I pray that you will take that step today. What is the step you need to take today? God, I thank you so much for this encounter you had with this this government guy. And God, I don't even know how or why. He, He wasn't even a follower of you, but yet when you spoke to him, he believed. God, these disciples, they saw you. They actually saw you die. They saw you in a tomb. They, then they saw you alive, and they believed, and they believed so much that they gave their lives. God, would you say, blessed are those of us who have not physically seen you, but yet we believe. God, would you continue to grow our faith, our trust in you. God, we want to find you. We want to follow you. So God, thank you for this powerful message, and we love you now, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.